What's up, guys? Uh, Josh here, back with Dr. Hodgkiss. We are in episode two of the Atlas Hour. Uh, today, we're going to kind of just go through some of the basic supplements uh, that Dr. Hodgkiss and I take, uh, maybe some of the medications as well, just kind of explaining the reasonings as to why, um, maybe help give you some insight if it's something that would possibly be um, a good addition to your protocol as well. So yeah, just going to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty and uh, yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So yeah, I don't, I should have like grabbed all my supplements. Like there's all the time. Many. Yeah. Like <laughs> American clients are like, you know, are, do I need to take all of these? And, and I, I understand it's kind of weird to me because I'm like, duh, like, yeah, dude, cool. my whole closet. Like if, if you look at our whole closet, I have hundreds of bottles of supplements and, and medications and things. And it's just normal to me now, but I'm definitely sympathetic to most people don't take anything. And so mm -hmm. when I list these off, it might seem like crazy. And is it overkill potentially, but you got to remember we're in the business of optimization and not just like, you know, survival. And so, uh, you know, when, when we're talking about, we're taking these things, maybe we're only getting like 0.5 to 1% benefit from it, but we are in that optimizing space, right? So we're trying to really get every little ounce of benefit that we can. So it might seem a little bit like overkill and I'm sure I'm going to forget half of them because I really should have put them all in front of me. I oftentimes even forget things I'm like, oh crap, I haven't taken that for a while because it's in the back of the closet and I got to like okay. dig that one out. Yeah. Um, but maybe start with like your morning routine because uh, you wake up and get straight to the gym basically, right? Or, or the road to either yeah. run or work out. Um, yeah. What's like your pre-workout kind of supplement stack? And then I'll tell mine. Yeah. So uh, first thing in the morning, um, I get up, I've got like 32 ounce water bottle that I, you know, fill up. Um, I'll actually throw in uh, greens and reds supplements. So uh, Nick Bears, uh, BPN Nutrition, I use his greens and reds. Obviously pretty uh, self-explanatory getting into greens in the form of a supplement because I do not eat enough on my own. Um, and then the reds there too, kind of getting some of the antioxidants, things like that that you would from fruits, um, different foods like that. Um, on inside of that drink as well, I throw in some L-glutamine uh, for uh, gut health, digestion, and then uh, fiber as well in the form of Metamucil and then uh, some sea salt in there too. So, and that's kind of like my morning cocktail that I drink immediately upon waking up. Uh, normally helps get a bowel movement going. And so, cause everybody has to start a morning with that, right? And then I have like a little pre-stretch uh, routine or active dynamic warm-up that I go through in the house while I'm drinking that. Um, and then basically I'm pretty much out the door about 30 to 45 minutes later after waking up and, you know, have my run depending on how long it's going to be that day. Uh, don't eat anything normally before. I like doing that on an empty stomach, especially if I've fueled properly the day before. Um, and then after that, back from the run and uh, we'll get showered off, uh, normally breakfast around then as well, uh, which for me is like four whole eggs, a couple strips of turkey bacon, two pieces of toast and avocado. And that's pretty much been my morning for the last like four years straight. But I, I like that empty stomach uh, feeling in the morning going kind of more down that route. Um, and then I normally wait about 90 to 120 minutes before any caffeine is consumed as well. That's what I was going to ask. You have it. So no caffeine pre-workout? No. Um, I, you know, I'm sure like most of us back in the day, uh, used to just love getting all jazzed up before our lifts or running or whatever it may be. Um, I've learned that for me, that normally um, actually hinders my performance, especially when it comes to something like endurance training. Um, I really like to have my heart rate not jacked up, keep it nice and low. Um, and I'm sure as a lot of us are aware now, you know, it's, 
guys like Andrew Huberman and people like that have kind of brung to the light that in the morning, it actually takes you about 90 to 120 minutes to burn off the adenosine from the night before, which is normally what builds up the day prior to make you sleepy at night. Um, so if you're immediately throwing down caffeine in the morning, you're not necessarily getting the full benefits of that until it's burned off. And I tell like everyone that it was a huge game changer once I started doing that, because pretty much every time it or every morning, it's almost like having caffeine for the first time. I don't feel like I need extra cups throughout the day. Nice. Yeah. So my routine bit different and it varies too based on my goals and what sport and, you know, I've kind of been in like so many different arenas um to like the bodybuilding was one thing if I did work out in the morning while bodybuilding first thing I did when waking was get some simple carbohydrates in like either a cream of rice or even just like a plain toast like sourdough or a white bread or something and I would put honey or some type of like sweetener on there with like a whey shake and then in my mind I kind of felt like I had immediate carbohydrates and some whey to sustain the lifting that I was doing I was trying to gain weight at the time too um, so I don't really do that anymore. Um, I hardly even work out in the mornings anymore. I'm so busy. We just like basically get straight to work when I wake up and, um, Victoria and I wake up around three 45 to like four 30 latest. And, um, we kind of have like a reverse life for most people where most people are, you know, hanging out in the afternoon and stuff. We kind of hang out in the morning. So we kind of have a slower morning these days. Um, I'll start out with, some. Um, oatmeal, two scoops of, uh, so two packets of oatmeal, two scoops of uh, protein. And I have some peanut butter with that. Basically it's been my meal now for months and just love that. Um, and then I'll have coffee. Like you said, probably about an hour later, we'll go grab a coffee, but we kind of have a slower morning, um, answer emails, stuff like that. Uh, while she's getting ready, I'm usually doing something on the computer before starting to see clients. Um, but I don't have, yeah, I don't have a lot of like pre-workout supplements anymore cause I'm not always going to the gym, but I go to the gym probably three to four times a week now. And on those days I am going fasted. I do try to get in water right away. Um, and I've, I really have kind of stopped pre-workout myself too. I will, if I'm going to lift weights, I'll use like, uh, Derek's, the gorilla, um, non-stimulant, uh, pre-workout to get some of like the pump additives and stuff. And really when it comes to pre-workout for me, I think it's largely placebo, um, for years. Like the thing that mattered the most to me is does this taste good? Um, cause I really like, I want to taste something good before going to the gym. It just kind of primes me. Um, everybody has these mental cues that you need. Like, you know, you see you guys walk up to the deadlift bar and they'll do a stomp or they'll yell something like that's a mental cue, but so is pre-workout. And for me, it kind of will prime me. Like I've got my pre-workout now I'm primed to get to the gym and get in that headspace. Um, so I, I still will occasionally have that, but I'm such a fan of like good coffee now in my life. And that's what probably what we spend the most money on that a lot of times I'll be like, I'd rather just work out without it so that we can go get some good espresso after this. Um, and it, it's been fine. It hasn't hindered my lifts in any way. Yeah. Um, but on the days that I'm not going to the gym, when I start supplementing is usually like, you know, right when I wake up. So I'll usually take in exetamide, which is a cholesterol lowering medication. Um, I don't have any, I, I don't have high cholesterol whatsoever. Even when I ran tons of gear, my cholesterol was actually really, really good. Um, but now I'm very, very into trying to lower my LDL cholesterol, my ApoB, basically as low as I possibly can. I tell people like jokingly, if I had zero ApoB, I wouldn't care. I'd be very happy. Um, I run mine around like 30 right now, which is awesome. I mean, that's like a child's level of ApoB. 
Um, but the exetamibe helps him with that. So exetamibe is different from a statin. So those of you who are really opposed to statins for whatever reason, or if you're sensitive to statins, um, there's other classes of medications like exetamibe. Um, exetamibe blocks intestinal absorption of cholesterol and the liver's used to getting kind of a, a shuttle from, of cholesterol from the intestine into the liver where it utilizes it. When the liver senses it's getting less of that in, it increases its surface receptors for LDL starts to utilize what you already have in circulation. So it's just kind of a little way to lower it kind of internally by utilizing what you've already got. It can lower your LDL by around 16 to 18%. So a uh, little rant there, but that's my, my first kind of medication I'll usually take. Um, and then I try to separate my fish oil from that. Um, I don't know if it's true or not. I went, like, you know, I've read about exetamide and it doesn't seem to inhibit the absorption of fatty soluble vitamins. Like know, D and things, but I just don't want to block any absorption of the, the fish oils that I'm taking. So I will hold off taking any fat soluble vitamins around the time I take my exetamide. And again, I don't know if there's any like validity there just in my head. It kind of makes sense. Um, but sometimes I'll, I, I will just basically take the exetamide and a greens drink too. First thing when I take a, a greens and a collagen. So Derek's got a collagen, uh, gorilla mode. I really like the taste of it. It's like strawberry mixed with the good greens. I actually really enjoy it. I'm terrible at drinking water. So I'll make the shake as big as I possibly can and pound that to get some fluid in right away. And that's basically, you know, my morning. Um, I, I don't take a lot in the morning. I'll usually kind of midday is when the bulk of my supplements are taken, um, which I guess now we're at your midday. What do you take kind of midday and what's it look like? Yeah. No, and I would agree on that, that I like to pretty much wait till midday too. I feel like that's, I've got food in my system at that point. Anything that's fat soluble, I'm going to absorb the best at that point. Um, and as Dr. Hotchkiss was talking about with the azetamide, I take that on a daily basis as well, 10 milligrams. Um, try to do that first thing in the morning also. Um, I do have some telmosartan in there too. Um, I kind of will throw that in there also with that in the mornings. Um, don't know, do you like taking any, you know, those type of medications later in the day or is that fine to combine with the zetamide in the morning or? Yeah, I think that's fine. And oftentimes I will take that in the morning a lot too. Um, I haven't been taking the, the telmosartan as much as I once did. I just I don't know why really I've kind of just fallen off of the habit. And again, it's probably because it's, I have so many pills in there. I forget what to take sometimes. <laughs> and I, I, or actually I do know why I was trying to, to stay away from telmosartans because I was sampling, trying to take Nabivolol, which is a beta blocker. It's also lowers blood pressure. I was sampling taking that before bed to see if it would lower my, or increase my um, heart rate variability. Mm -hmm. uh, so wear the aura ring. And ever since wearing that, I've realized that my, uh, HRV is terribly low, which is crazy. So I must be extremely stressed out or something. I mean, I feel, I don't feel like I am, but I have a very low one. Um, it always says my recovery is shit. And so I was trying to sample taking the, the Bevelol, which did help a little bit. Um, but since I don't have high blood pressure and I only take the Telmosartan for the longevity benefits, mm -hmm. I didn't want to make myself hypotensive. And so that's why I haven't been taking it. But yeah, I, I for a long time, I did take it first thing in the morning. Um, I know like a memo, one of our colleagues, very intelligent guy, I believe he takes his in the uh, afternoon. And a lot of people do, uh, you know, like taking their Telmosartan in the afternoon before bed bed. A um, little bit of, of research shows it may improve sleep quality, probably in hypertensive individuals, which makes mm -hmm. sense. So that's always kind of the struggle with a lot of the research is that, again, getting back to the optimization, a lot of the research is done in the unhealthy individual. Um, metformin is a prime example of that. 
We know it's a great longevity medication when we look at the research, but all that research is on unhealthy diabetic populations. Does that translate to guys like you and I and our listeners? We don't know yet. Um, so another, another little tangent, but yeah, yeah long story short, I do take the, the Telmosartan in the morning. Awesome. And uh, kind of to backtrack on the Telmosartan, I guess, just for us to go a little more in depth, um, that is a form of a blood pressure medication that is referred to as an ARB angiotensin receptor blocker, mm -hmm. which uh, works a little bit differently than the nabivalol and ACE inhibitors. Um, as uh, Dr. Ochis was saying, kind of looked at for people who are not hypertensive as a longevity aid. Um, am I correct in that there is studies showing that actually can uh, reverse some uh, left ventricular hypertrophy as well? Yeah. So for those of us, I mean, really any athlete at all can kind of suffer from, you know, they call it like athlete's heart where you're going to get some hypertrophy of the uh, left ventricle, which is a, a chamber of the heart responsible for pumping, pumping out blood. Um, but in those of us who have dabbled in the exogenous hormones, you know, that's one of the biggest concerns is the heart is a muscle too. And we're getting all this hypertrophy, a big heart is not necessarily a good heart. And that's what leads to things like congestive heart failure in the future. When your heart gets too big, you then have this huge reservoir that doesn't have a good ability to pump out that blood. And it can kind of just get like a, a big floppy balloon, essentially, um, you know, trying to make it as layman as I can, but, uh, that is one of the issues you'll get this very large heart and Helmosartan has been shown to have some cardiac remodeling properties where it can potentially reduce the size of the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know we can make an entire video on blood pressure medication. So I'm sure that's something we'll go down with another road, but yeah, just kind of wanted to give a little insight as to why we take it, what type yeah. of classification for medicine it is too. Right. So it also uh, helps to improve insulin sensitivity, helps to increase endurance, helps to reduce body fat potentially. And like we'll do a whole nother episode on telosartan alone because it deserves a lot. It's my favorite medication that there is. Um, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, to circle back, I guess, to kind of my uh, just midday supplement routine, um, it'll be a long list, like Adam was saying earlier. So if I forget anything, I'm sorry. And if you're like, man, this guy's never going to stop, I apologize, <laughs> too. We do sympathize with patients that like, you know, maybe we'll get to kind of a list at the end after we go through here of like, what are the core ones that most people could benefit for? Because some of these are just us kind of being a little nutty and wanting to op optimize as much as we can. Um, so Starting with me, uh, the very basic ones, vitamin D, 5,000 units a day, um, always, you know, with some food in my system since it is a fat-soluble um, vitamin. After that, vitamin C, uh, anywhere between 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams a day, uh, just for, you know, kind of basic um, helping with, uh, you know, to fight it, keep my immune system healthy there. Um, next one would be a good fish oil supplement. Uh, I use the uh, Nordic naturals, the uh, liquid form of that. Actually, mm -hmm. I think it's a little better bang for your buck too, from a cost effective standpoint. Um, and so that has a really good ratio of EPA to DHA, as far as kind of what I've seen in comparison to others on the market, on the market, um, been a basic benefits there from your fish oil or great heart health, uh, trying to re uh, reduce, excuse me, systemic mm -hmm. inflammation, um, and then going down the line, next one would be uh, vitamin K as well. Um, that in conjunction with vitamin D uh, is very good for uh, heart health as well. Am I correct on that? 
Yeah, it can potentially, you know, help to reduce the calcium found within the arteries. The, the vitamin D may liberate it a bit. The, cal or the K2 may kind of grab onto it and lower it again. Very simple, uh, making this way too simple, but uh, essentially they have, they have great synergy together and they could potentially lead to, you know, less plaque buildup within the arteries. Gotcha. And then uh, next thing would be uh, CoQ10 in the form of ubiquinol. Um, ubiquinol, ubiquinol is more of kind of the more bioavailable form of actually what CoQ10 then actually is converted into in the body, correct? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. And uh, that another uh, great uh, heart health marker there. And then also actually can uh, help more on a level of the mitochondria in the cell uh, yeah, to sure. kind of keep uh, just, I guess, uh, better turnover there in the sense of giving you a little more energy and your mitochondria working a little more efficiently. Um, you'll actually see some people combine that if they are on a, any type of um, what's statin. Statin for their heart, uh, just because there is some fear sometimes that statins can uh, kind of reduce the uh, intracellular levels, uh, I assume, of ubiquinol there um, and kind of you know, just hinder workout performance. I know the studies are still a little out there on that, if that's true or not. Um, but anyway, kind of, yeah, my but it may offset some of that muscle soreness. So if you are somebody who does need to have a satin, uh, we can talk about ways to maybe not have as many side effects. We can talk, have a whole episode on cholesterol medication, but one of them is adding in ubiquinol or CoQ10. Um, actually, historically, I forget which company it was, but one of the statins would come compounded with uh, CoQ10 in it to try to offset that. So that would be one area. Got, gotcha. And then uh, next one would be a stragulus ex extract, uh, really for kind of kidney health there. Uh, that's one of my favorites and real cheap, or, or real cheap simple one to get. Uh, next one would be, let me think going down the list here in my mind, stragulus extract, and then uh, N-acetylcysteine, mm -hmm. um, really trying to focus on liver health there, uh, also reducing systemic inflammation. Uh, it's another great one to add in, again, another cheap supplement as well. Um, boron I'll throw in there as well, just to try and kind of balance, um, sex hormone grinding or sex hormone binding globulin levels, um, for guys on T, uh, it can be a good addition to kind of try and balance that out to where you, as we'll talk about in the future, you never want too high of SHGB or too low. Um, so it's kind of a good way to balance that out. Um, and then, uh, also throw in some, uh, vitamin E along, uh, with, um, active vitamin B6, uh, those in conjunction to try and lower prolactin. I am someone who, for whatever reason, runs a little bit higher on my prolactin levels. So yeah. those in conduct conjunction definitely kind of keep me in the lower end of the spectrum there. Um, and then trying to think if I am missing anything else here, maybe I'll think of something, but those are pretty much kind of the basics of every single day for me. Gotcha. Yeah. So my midday, that's kind of where I probably take the bulk of my supplements. So, um, like probably around noon or so, uh, I'll, like, you know, in between clients and back to back all day, but I usually will have like 10 minutes between some run to the kitchen, fill up another full shaker, uh, usually a scoop of whey. Um, that maybe when I throw in the Metamucil as well to get some fiber, I'll throw in five, uh, grams of creatine. Um, that's usually kind of that shake and it's another way to hydrate. Cause again, I just don't drink water throughout the day. Like I should, but I just keep getting these boluses of a big amount, which isn't ideal. Drink more water throughout the day. Don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> but that's when I'll take, uh, I take a multivitamin actually just, um, I like the, what is it? Life extensions. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're the blue ball, right? Yeah. Life extension yep. two per day. Um, so I, I take the two per day, but I only take it once. Um, I feel like most multivitamins are wildly overdosed. This one actually seems to have relatively normal doses of vitamins and minerals that one would need. And I just take even less than that because I feel like most time multivitamins aren't really required or needed by most, especially if you're eating a good balanced diet, you probably don't need it. I just look at it as an insurance policy. So I'll just take half of a, you know, the full dose. Um, but I really like that one. If you're looking for a good multivitamin, I think that's probably the best I've seen. Um, on top of that, even though that has vitamin D, I still take vitamin D just like you, I take 5,000 I use, and I take about 180 of uh, K2. So it's D3 K2 combo. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of what else I take then. Um, fish oil. So I, I use the exact same one, the Nordic naturals. I also like, um, if, if you can, if you have access to a pharmacy, if you can get like the omega ethyl esters, that's uh, great. Um, when people ask me, you know, should I spend money on like the ethyl esters versus over the counter? What's the difference? There is a difference. Like one's in triglyceride form. Um, but the real difference in my opinion comes down to knowing your source. And that's the hardest part with fish oil, in my opinion. Um, you have no idea if you're getting a rancid oil, you have no idea if you're getting a ton of mercury. Um, when you are getting something from a pharmacy, at least, you know, it's regulated and they're probably giving you a pure, they're giving you what they say they're giving you. Um, that being said, I feel like Nordic natural just due to, I don't even know how, but they've, they've garnished themselves a pretty good reputation in the space. Um, so it's one that I do go with and it's been fine. I also like that they, it tastes like lemon because I get the fish burps and I can't stand it. I won't take fish oil if I'm getting that. It just messes up my whole day, but I don't mind burping up a lemon. Um, I think that everyone should refrigerate their fish oils as well to at least increase the longevity of it from becoming rancid. Yeah, probably a good idea. Um, I don't with mine because if I did, I would forget to take it. And you know, <laughs> so I, I, mine is in a cool, I mean, we keep the house super cold anyways. I'm always running hot. So house is cold and then we keep it in the closet. It's dark in there. And so I think it's safe. But yeah, if you can refrigerate it, probably best. Um, if you're like me though, which a lot of people are, it comes down to like habits are like, you need to build your environment to make a habit, you know? And so that's what I do. Like, I don't have junk food in the house. I put all my stuff next to me if I want it to, you know, if I want to take it. Um, so yeah, I, I will keep mine in there. Otherwise I will forget to go into the fridge. It's just not in my routine. Um, I also now take DHEA and pregnenolone. Um, these are neurosteroids and I get them prescribed to me from, uh, Merrick Health, my doc there, um, which, you know, I, I work there too. And so do you, um, but this is a prescription because, um, I get them prescription now because I was taking over the counter from two really good sources, both life extension and pure encapsulations. Um, and my levels actually went down while taking them. And I don't know why, uh, but they went significantly down. Um, I kind of threw around the idea with some of the other docs at Merrick and some of the PCCs. And uh, one of the theories is that it's because they're not micronized and that they're kind of a fast release. They're not a slow release, like the pharmacy will make it. And so you may be getting like a large spike right after taking it and then they kind of just crash down. And so maybe that was what was happening. Uh, either way, I've switched over to pharmaceutical, which has been able to sustain good levels. Um, so DHA and uh, pregnenolone are neurosteroids. They're also precursors to uh, sex hormones like testosterone, estrogen, things like that. Um, why we kind of try to optimize those is we find that people, um, you know, they generally feel better if those levels are a bit higher. Um, I went through a period where just last year, actually, like 
kind of like right when I started with Merrick, I, I never really looked at my DHA and pregnenolone full disclosure. And it wasn't something that I really thought about. Um, and, you know, I went through this period where I had like no libido suddenly. It was super weird for me because I've always had an extremely high libido, uh, almost in a, a way that would get me in trouble sometimes, uh, which we've talked about on other episodes. But uh, I went to this period where I felt like asexual. I'm just like, this is weird. I, I do, couldn't care less about sex. Uh, got my labs drawn. There was really low DHEA, really low pregnenolone, and really high prolactin. Like you said, I'm also prone to high prolactin. Um, high prolactin can lead to, it can kind of masquerade as low testosterone. It really leads to a reduction in libido, erection quality. It can increase your refractory period, meaning the time between orgasms. And so it was probably that had a big, was a, a big culprit, but I think the, the crash DHEA and pregnenolone also were. Um, so those neurosteroids do um, play a role on our brain so they can help to reduce brain fog, increase mental acuity, libido, energy levels, things like that. I have felt significantly better taking them. Um, you know, there's a lot of doctors out there who say like, why would you even order those unless you have like concern for congenital adrenal hyperplasia? We don't know what to do with a low level. We don't know if it, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, we, we kind of listen to our clients a lot and they feel a lot better usually when you're taking those and you have good levels of those. And so I don't think it's doing much harm taking them. It's probably benefiting. Um, we know that the decline of those is at least implicated. It's not causative, but it's at least implicated in part into like neurodegeneration. So, you know, things like Alzheimer's, we see very low levels of those neurosteroids. And so, um, and just to the studies with elderly population, when it comes to DHEA too, it seems like most of them aren't like with, you know, guys that are around our age wanting to optimize, correct? Right. Yeah. Um, those levels tend to decline though. We know they're really high when you're young, like uh, babies and young children have very high levels of those when their brains are developing. And if I can do whatever I can do for my brain health now is probably, you know, that's what I'm trying to do more than anything else. It's my main heart health and brain health are my huge focuses now. Um, so I do implement those. And then the rest of what I take, there are a lot of nootropics. And so um, now I'm just been taking uh, Derek's Gorilla Mode Smooth. Um, Which is incredible. Yeah, yeah, I like that one a lot. So it's a mixture of, you know, a lot of various uh, nootropics. I mean, it comes out to like six or nine pills or something crazy. So I was able to kind of just switch from taking all of my multiple little nootropics into just his. And like I said, I'm really trying to increase my mental acuity as much as I can. Um, you know, I don't know if we talked about in the past, but one of the biggest concerns that I had when I was doing higher doses of steroids is I felt like I was getting cognitive decline. And that's probably what snapped me out of wanting to do that kind of stuff anymore. You know, I need to be mentally sharp. There's people whose lives depend on my brain. Um, when I felt like I was not remembering things, when I was unable to string sentences together, you know, I had, I, it really kind of freaked me out. And so I focused more towards like, you know, my brain health. So a lot of nootropics, fish oils, things like that, any antioxidants that I can, can get. So I also will use the N-acetylcysteine. Um, that's a, a precursor to glutathione, a very potent uh, antioxidant. And so I, I like that one too. Um, let's see, do I take anything else? I don't think so. Um, zinc. I, I will take some zinc because Victoria and I recently have been um, supplementing with the copper peptides, the injectable form for like skin health. Mm -hmm. um, she had a, a surgery recently and wanted to, we just um, more kind of like curiosity, wanted to see if it would help to increase that. Um, you know, as a surgeon, if I can help people to have a more cosmetic scar, that would be awesome. And 
the copper peptides have been shown to increase uh, elastin and collagen and help to reduce scarring. So we're using it for her. I figure why not use it for me too? If I can look a little bit younger, awesome. Um, <laughs> but one of the risks of taking copper is that you can deplete your zinc levels. So I've been throwing in an extra zinc on the days that I do that. Um, but I think that's kind of my, my midday. And we'll probably have a part two where we forget the 10 sure. other stuff that we take on a daily right. basis. Yeah, no, that's great. And one thing I wanted to go back to just on the DHA and pregnenolone, and you know, when you were saying that you were taking higher levels of stuff, do you think that it then kind of noticing a you know neurological decline there? Do you think that is just because you know high amounts of exogenous hormones can can decrease your own adrenal steroid output? Um, and do you think that maybe that was what you were noticing, and that you know now being able to supplement with it is probably kind of, you know, taking care of any of those issues that you were having to prior? I think it's definitely a culprit. I think it's certainly a uh, part of it. I think there's a lot of things going on when you're doing that bodybuilding type lifestyle that is negatively impacting your brain health. Um, but that is one of them for sure. Um, you know, the way I kind of, again, in layman's terms, explain it to, to guys is like, you know, when you're taking massive amounts of exogenous or even any bit of exogenous hormone, um, if you think of those as precursors or essentially like ingredients for those, uh, for, for something like testosterone, our bodies are so efficient that when we stop making our own testosterone, we kind of pull back on the ingredients needed for testosterone too. So that output of uh, DHEA and pregnenolone usually drop a bit too. That's something we'll see a lot. Um, you know, if you're going to a TRT clinic or something, and they're not also looking at those hormones, you know, if all they're getting is basically testosterone and LHFSH, like maybe go somewhere else to a place where they're getting more robust labs. Um, when you tweak one hormone, you tweak a cascade of other hormones downstream, upstream, all around. And so you need to be looking at all of those things. Yeah. Oh, and that's a great insight on the uh, time released versions of those as well. Because um, like you, I have taken, you know, just kind of stuff that I bought online through Amazon Life Extension, a couple other brands. And uh, my last round of blood work I actually noticed that my DHEA sulfate was lower than when I actually had not been taking anything. So that yeah, possibly answers my question is, you know, just a big spike and then a big crash. So when it's not yeah. anything that's time released or an ester attached to it. And that's not, you know, I don't know that for sure. I don't have any data. Like I said, it was kind of just like our high brain. I, I kind of talked to others and that was what we theorized. Of course, we don't have the lab to set up those studies. I would be interested. And if anybody knows of those studies, please send them in a comment. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we got our midday stuff knocked out. Um, I guess uh, you just kind of want to go next to what the rest of the day looks like supplement wise, activity wise, or. Yeah. So I guess just like supplement wise, when's your next bout? Is it pre-bed? Cause that's when mine would be. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, and so kind of throughout the, I, I guess, uh, you know, into the afternoon, I'll normally work until about four thirty, five o'clock. I've been trying to like pretty much get everything shut off by that point each day. Um, I was someone for a while who would love to try and go into like six or seven at night. And I've really noticed over time that just that constant stimulation really makes it hard for me to wind down. Uh, my wife and I are in bed by nine o'clock pretty much every night. So anything that gets too close to that definitely makes it a little tougher for me. So around, you know, 435, I'll kind of shut it down for the evening, um, really start trying to like decrease, uh, you know, my phone time or screen time, anything like that, if I can. Um, and then right before bed, um, I use actually Derek's uh, Gorilla Dream supplement, which is another great one. Uh, you'll hear us reference uh, the, the Gorilla supplements a lot. Um, it is because they are, you know, very adequately dosed and we do believe in them. 
Um, so that actually is more, uh, does not have like a huge amount of melatonin in it. Uh, I think it's only three milligrams yeah. for a serving. Um, but more kind of like a vitamin B6, uh, things of that nature in there just to kind of like calm you down. Um, and then the small dose of melatonin just to get you to sleep. Um, and there's actually a, a quick vert or a quick acting and a slow release in there mm -hmm. as well. So some to get you to sleep and then some to help you stay asleep through the evening. Um, I will also use uh, L-glycine before or glycine before bed. Um, another one that kind of, I believe acts on like the gamma receptor to help kind of bring you down and calm you down as well before bed. Um, and then that's normally when I'll do my second round of Metamucil also with the L-glutamine. So nice. just after my last meal for the evening, um, just to, you know, kind of seems like it sits best on an empty stomach like that. And again, normally keeps me regular. So when I wake up at five the next morning, I'm good to go. Awesome. Yeah. I'm similar. Um, Again, like the, my, my focus has been on the brain health and stuff. And one of those is trying to optimize my sleep as much as possible. I think that sleep is not something or something that we don't talk about enough when it comes to all disease states and especially like cognitive, um, you know, that if you, if you want a, a neurodegenerative disease, limit your sleep for sure. I think the data is pretty clear on that now. Um, and so, like I said, getting the aura ring, which was eye opening, my sleep wasn't really where I wanted it to be. Uh, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was better for years. I didn't sleep well at all due to the amount of anabolics, I think more than anything and stress, of course, you know, going through school and residency and everything on top of using all of those was a recipe for disaster when it came to sleep. So I am trying to make up for that now. And, um, so when I go to bed, I do take a lot of pills, which, is kind of not the best also because I need to take those with water and that causes me to drink probably a full glass of water before bed. And I almost inevitably mm -hmm. wake up peeing. Um, I wish these were all injection, uh, <laughs> <with> mine. <laughs> um, but I take, I do take the dream as well. And yeah, it has a, a host of different things, it has GABA, theanine, magnesium, B6, melatonin. Like you said, it is a more, uh, a lower dose of melatonin. And, um, Derek really is pretty adamant about clinically dosing everything. And when you look at the clinical doses, like if I've got a patient in the hospital who needs uh, a sleep aid, we give them three milligrams of melatonin. Um, and so all of that is clinically dosed, but on top of his melatonin there, I also take melatonin. I take really high dose melatonin. Um, I take now when I'm taking that, I'll usually take about 20 on top of that extra, um, for a while that I've been doing like 40 alone before taking the dream. Um, and I take that mainly for its antioxidant properties. And so I know everybody talks about melatonin for sleep, but I think it's probably one of the coolest antioxidants that we have that our body produces naturally. And that's because every, basically every metabolite of melatonin is also an antioxidant. So, um, you know, a lot of times we'll have one antioxidant and in that form, it is an antioxidant, but then it gets metabolized into a metabolite, which is no longer an antioxidant, but metal, uh, melatonin continues to be an antioxidant as it's degraded down and down and down, which is really cool. Um, so there's been some decent research on it and having maybe anti-cancer properties and things like that. And again, any type of antioxidant I can have for brain health, heart health, I like, so I take a higher dose of melatonin. Um, one thing I'd like to publicly correct is on the, uh, on the Mark Bell's podcast, they brought it up with me and they, I, you know, they talked about how Huberman says that he doesn't like to supplement with melatonin because it will shut down your natural endogenous production. 
um, immediately after that podcast, like literally like in their waiting room, I went and looked it up and I found multiple studies showing that it actually doesn't reduce your endogenous. So I'd love to have this discussion with Andrew Huberman because, you know, I, I'd like to know if he has some research that I'm not privy to, because from what I've seen, you know, you can take melatonin for multiple days and all the domains that they looked at. And pretty much when you stop taking it, your body naturally produces it again. Um, thyroid's very similar, you know, thyroid, we will shut down your endogenous production of thyroid stimulating hormone. But when we pull out that thyroid comes back online really quickly. So, um, I kind of go back on what I said on the Mark Bell podcast, if you listen to that and I, you know, I feel like you're probably okay. You're not going to shut down your natural uh, production. Um, that being said, I also throw in like a, a little bit more magnesium on top of that. Um, I, like I said, form of magnesium, what's that? What form of magnesium? Either bisglycinate or threonate. Um, yeah. So I think I've just glycinate right now though, too. Yep. Um, kind of varies, but yeah, there's you know, a lot of different forms and you kind of got to find the one that doesn't cause the GI upset for you. I feel like uh, it hasn't been different for everyone. Yeah. It hasn't been, you know, the, the glycinate, I think I've glycinate now, if I remember right. And it's been fine. Same with bisglycinate, same with three and eight. Um, so yeah, I'll add just a little bit cause Derek's does have that in too. Uh, mm -hmm. but I, I put in a little bit supplemental, um, like I said, I've been taking the beta blocker to see if it will increase my heart rate variability. And it has a little bit, uh, I've been taking a bevel, although I do want to trial with propranolol. So I'll talk to my doc at Merrick health and see if they'll be able to work with me to try to sample that. Um, that'll be, you know, something coming up soon. I can report back on that one. Yeah. Um, let's see. I just recently started taking this seaweed extract and what's it called? It's called, uh, Echolina cava, cava. Um, that was a recommendation by our friend, uh, Lucas Owen. Cause I wrote him like, dude, my, my heart rate variability is super low. What's going on. Cause he's really into biohacking. And he, he told me to try to supplement with this. And I have seen a bit of an increase with it. Um, I believe it increases like, uh, GABA, um, which is kind of a, 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 pathway that kind of uh, relaxes us essentially. And so I, I think that's a pathway it works on. I'm not sure. I kind of blindly listened to, <laughs> to Lucas, like sure, I'll throw this in and see what happens. Um, so I As we uh, always tell others to do our research. It doesn't exactly. take much convincing sometimes with the people we trust. We're like, well, if they do it, we'll do it too. Yeah. So. I mean, I looked into it a little bit and I'm like, this seems overall like net good. It's okay. essentially seaweed. And so we know like seaweed has a plethora of, uh, you know, benefits. And so that's when I've been recently trying. Um, what else do I take? I think that might be it. High dose melatonin, the dream, magnesium, the cava, the beta blocker. If I do take metformin now, it is at night um, before mm -hmm. bed. And, and I, I do take that sometimes, especially if I've had a higher carbohydrate day and I didn't work out. Um, I don't take it on workout days anymore. I do feel like it may actually inhibit some of the benefits that we get from working out. Um, mm -hmm. so if I, if I take a metformin, which is 500 milligrams for myself, usually it is at night and it's on non-workout days. I more specifically remember when I'm like, we just went hard at dinner. You know, if we go to like, uh, all you can eat sushi or something, uh, like, I need a little bit of help with that, uh, upregulation of the glute four receptor and, and stop my liver from overproducing that glucose. Um, so yeah, that will be in there occasionally as well. I think that's it. Almost as long as your midday one, actually. I know. Yeah. My, my nighttime seems big because again, the dream is like a lot of supplement. It's a lot of pills, I think. And then I take yeah. like two 20 milligram me uh, melatonin when I do. And then the cava, I've been taking one or two of those. 
I definitely feel like there's something else in there that I'm missing, but oh, glycine sometimes too. Um, yeah. Apigenin, another one. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I tried, I've tried like basically everything, and I like to kind of monitor on my aura ring. Like if I add something in, do I get a benefit? If I do, I usually will try to keep that in. Um, Huberman that we brought up quite a few times, he does have a good list of uh, supplements on his Huberman toolkit for sleep. I'll often send that off to clients. Like here, look at this as a recommendation. Um, it's great. I would add on their melatonin. Uh, I hope that him and I have that discussion one day. No, and I really like that you uh, kind of highlighted, you know, whether it's actually messing with your endogenous production, because I think everybody's heard that before, like, you know, just through the weeds, hey, don't take too much, you know, when you stop, you'll have issues falling asleep. And I've kind of always wondered the same thing. Uh, but like you, I forgot to mention that I do either add on 10 or 20 milligrams of uh, the rapid dissolve tablets of melatonin, along yeah. with it. And uh, I just like for the fact that it just helps me get to sleep more than anything. I feel yeah. like it's the one thing that probably just immediately gets me into that state of like, all right, it's time to bed or time to go to bed. So that yeah, that's what people, you know, if, if uh, you're wondering like melatonin, you know, that's the real benefit is helping to get to sleep, not stay asleep. Mm -hmm. So melatonin endogenous, our, our own production of melatonin is to kind of set the stage for sleep. Um, when lights get darker, when the sun goes down, our receptors in our eye kind of trigger that pineal glands uh, production of melatonin, which, um, like I said, sets the stage. It gets us, it puts us to sleep, but it doesn't keep us to sleep. So if you're taking melatonin thinking that you, it's going to stop you from waking up in the middle of the night, not necessarily. And, and that's where the idea of like the slower release that Derek puts in his, that's where that idea comes from is maybe we can get a little bit longer acting uh, benefit from it. Um, possible. Uh, but if you're having trouble staying to sleep, you, you should probably first look at your environment. Um, like, is it cool? Is it dark? Do you have, do you need sound or no sound or, you know, all of these things? Uh, did you eat before? Are you too hydrated? Like I usually am, you know, things like that. And then um, one supplement or one medication I've tried, which I wish I could take would be trazodone. Um, that's one we're often recommending to uh, for a lot of clients that America, they can't sleep. Um, trazodone is an antidepressant historically. It's kind of fallen out of favor for that because it puts people to sleep. Essentially, so now it's used more as a sleep aid. Um, the benefit of it is that it doesn't, um, it, a lot of the issue with the sleep aids is they knock you out. They're kind of like alcohol or marijuana where you fall asleep, but the quality of sleep you get is terrible. And so it messes with your sleep architecture. Trazodone actually enhances it. So not only does it put you to sleep, but it improves your sleep. Uh, there's also been some research showing that it has some um, protective benefits against things like uh, dementia. So that is one that we will go for. I have a ton of it um, because I was really excited to use that, but it causes like severe nasal congestion in me. Um, I think it works on, um, I can't remember which receptors, maybe. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what alpha receptors potentially. Anyways, it causes like some uh, vasoconstriction, I believe, um, within like my nasal passages or maybe it's dilation. Yeah, I'll have to look into that again. I'm not quite sure the mechanism, but I know that when I've taken it like two times tried, I am like up all night because I can't breathe out of my nose and my mouth's getting dry. I almost get a sinus headache. Um, I've, I've read that that's a common side effect. So try it, you know, if you're out there listening, if you're, if you're interested in it, it is a great sleep aid, but be mindful that that may be something. If you're getting a stuffy nose, it's probably coming from that. 
Yeah. Another side effect, real quick, is it can cause oh. a, a prolonged erection quality. <laughs> a prolonged <laughs> erection. It's everyone uh, will go. All the guys will go grab it now. But that. it's like a, it's like a pathologic erection. Um, you know, it's one that won't go down. Uh, like in school, it's often kind of joked as as trazabone. You remember it by okay. um, because that's one of the most common side effects. So be mindful of that too. One of the four to five hour ones seek help if this hasn't mm -hmm. got away, like you see on the Viagra. 40 year old virgin status. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, that's great. And I'd like that we're spending a lot of time on the sleep stuff just because, as you were saying, I feel like, especially in today's day and age, well, we are just, uh, gosh, it's probably so much harder for us to get good quality sleep than even it was 10 years ago. Um, we're just all so ramped up, constantly plugged in. Um, and, you know, even besides the supplements we take, that's why I was highlighting earlier, you know, I really have tried to get just a pattern and rhythm down for every single night to help me wind down, whether that's disconnecting from my phone, shutting emails down, just having certain times that I, you know, basically stay on top of that because uh, it's so easy just to kind of like at the end of the day, you check out, you're just continuing to either do emails or scroll through social media, whatever it is. And by the time you get to bed, I'm sure everyone's experienced just like, man, I cannot fall asleep. I'm so wound up. My brain's all over the place. So I think for everyone finding a routine uh, that you try and stick to is just so good for your own natural circadian rhythm uh, to, you know, not really stray from that as much as possible. That way, once your, you know, bedtime or that time to start winding down comes around every night, your body kind of knows what's going on and it doesn't fight you so much. Exactly. Yeah. We'll have to do another, uh, you know, podcast on just sleep alone and i'll need to listen to it myself because sleep is my biggest <laughs> thing i'm fighting with right now i thought it was great i mean like get yourself a wearable if you're out there thinking you're getting great sleep too and then uh it can be eye-opening um don't let it negatively impact you one of the benefits or one of the things that could benefit you if you are somebody who's going to like obsess about it is maybe don't even look at your sleep score until the night before you go to bed uh, because there's times when I've been like, oh, that was a great night's sleep. And then I'm like, wait, I got a 60% sleep. And then it's in your head like, no, my day is fucked. No, I, I didn't sleep well. And so uh, actually a patient of mine told me that, like, I don't look at it until the, before I go to bed. And I thought that was really uh, a really good thing to do. Uh, so yeah, but hopefully you guys help us get big enough to, uh, get guests like Matt Walker on here and, you know, Dr. Walker, the, the sleep PhD, and he can help to, uh, improve my sleep quality. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, oh, anything else to add? Yeah, no, uh, just on your sleep metrics there. I love that you highlight that because, so I wear a Garmin, um, mm -hmm. for all my endurance training, but it's got great sleep tracking uh, capabilities as well. And I really have had to like stray away from looking at it too, because we're all so into optimizing. And if I see anything that's like below an 80, I'm like, oh man, my day's ruined. But I'm sure as you know, even on nights, it says I don't get that great of a night's sleep. Sometimes I feel awesome that day and yeah. it's, you know, not even like I'm missing a beat. So don't, you know, give yourself paralysis by over analysis when it comes to your metrics and really anything with your health. Sometimes it's easy to get too lost in the weeds. 100%. Well, hopefully, uh, uh, like we said, we probably didn't even touch on half the supplements we actually take. I, I know I left a ton out, uh, but hopefully this was somewhat informative and educational for you guys. And if you have any you know, questions about any of them, drop them in the comments below. We'll make sure to get back to you. Um, we'll wrap this one up and we'll see you guys in the next uh, episode. Yeah. Thanks, everybody.